Welcome to the Our Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Thank you for being here this evening. And uh, I just have such an expectation that our Abba wants to make himself known, wants to reveal himself to each one of us. And um, so, Papa, Abba, we thank you for for your presence. Why don't you do something that makes you really uncomfortable and just touch the person next to you? And uh, just say, Abba, we just ask that you continue to flow through each one of us, that your image and likeness that you've invested in each one of us tonight will begin to resonate, will begin to just pour forth this life and this grace and this generosity that you continually pouring into us. May it flow this evening. May we see you and experience you like we have not experienced you before. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Lord. Honor you. Honor you. So, um, I've been speaking so much the last two days, but I didn't quite think what to speak about this evening until maybe an hour ago. Um, and sometimes those are the best sessions. It's either one of the worst sessions you're going to be in, because I'm totally unprepared, or it's going to be one of the best, because, you know, the Lord's going to say, okay, let me just take over here. <laughs> And uh, I kind of expect that, that our abbot just wants to so make himself known to each one of us. And an idea that we touched on over the past few days is the idea of time and eternity. And I want to delve a little bit deeper into that idea. We had such a good conversation this afternoon. And as we were discussing that this morning, I thought that might be a good story. But, uh, I think will will be relevant to each one of us. Time and eternity. Um, Andrew, did you switch it on? I did. I'm pretty sure I did. So that's recording. That's great. Um, Welcome. Welcome. I think you might want to grab some seats. Yeah. Shall we grab one out? Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? There we go. Do whatever you want to with it. (laughs) Here we go. You might, uh, you know, let's put it there so that they can happen. Great. So, ha. Time. We, we find ourselves in this, uh, this dimension called time and, and, and we, we construct our consciousness of our world, of our stories in, in this idea that there's a past, there's a present, there's a future. Uh, and very often time and the experiences we have in it can at times be painful, can be disappointing. Uh, And so one of the ways in which eternity was imagined is something that's completely different from time. Just don't give us more time. Because uh, the experiences sometimes within 
this world, the, the reality of what people face brings them to a place that they wish they could escape reality. They, they either want to deny reality or escape it. And, and um, I want tonight kind of explore a different way of understanding time and a different way of understanding eternity, a different way of finding yourself within this dimension. Um, now, you know, what, what is time? So much of the concepts that we've had around it was radically challenged in the Newtonian world, there was this idea that there's a real absolute time. There's something called time somewhere that continually moves. And Einstein came and messed that up completely with relativity that kind of said, actually, time and space is all mingled together. Because if we speak of a day, a week, a month, you can't go and find a day anywhere in this universe. What you'll find is movement. There's an earth that spins on its axis. And this movement of one spin upon that axis, we use the term day to kind of denote that movement. How long does it take this earth to rotate around the sun? So movement is real. We can go find movement. And, and these time-related concepts is really just ways in which we name these different movements. Um, but in reality, when a movement has happened, it's happened and it's never anywhere to be found again. So the past, in effect, Everything that we experienced of time, the past is really non-existent. In fact, the past has got its most real existence in your memory. Um, and the future, um, that just does not exist yet. And so that brings many people to the conclusion, actually, the only thing that's real is the present. But how big is the present? Is it the minute? Is it the second? And actually when you start analyzing the present, it is just a movement from a past that no longer exists into a future that doesn't exist yet. Uh, and scientists tells us that even the fraction of a second that it takes you to process the information that gathers, that, that comes into your eyes and ears, means that by the time you've seen it and perceived it, it's non-existent. So we all live in this illusion of reality. <laughs> but what is time? What what is eternity? And um, one of the early conversations that the Christian faith had with Hellenistic Greek philosophy um, had some real implications on how we understood God, how we stood, understood our world. And, and so for Plato and many of these early philosophers, they imagined eternity as something that is really the complete opposite of time. So time constantly moves and changes so in their 
idea, eternities, that changeless, motionless perfection. Um, they would have ideas like, in heaven, there's a perfect chair. And every chair that we have on earth is a copy of that perfection. In heaven, there's the perfect blueprint of what it means to be human. And every human is a copy of that blueprint. So those are the ideas that early Christianity um, was in conversation with, with Hellenistic philosophy, that eternity was imagined as everything time is not. Uh, eternity was imagined as changeless, static. Uh, and for them, that meant perfection. Okay, now that had a huge influence then on how we started to imagine who God is and what eternity is. It was this otherworldly dimension, this otherworldly uh, realm to which we hoped that we could escape to, escape the corruption and the, all the change of this world. But both Hebrew and uh, thinking and Jesus' thinking on the subject of eternity, I think, is going to surprise us. Uh, you know, when Jesus starts defining eternal life, um, he says, this is eternal life, that you know the Father and his son. So he defines eternity not in terms of its location, not in terms of its duration, but in terms of an awareness, a relationship that you enter to, into that is so present right here in the midst of this changing world. In John 17 verse 24, he says, Father, I pray that they may be with me where I am, that they may, may, may behold the love with which you loved me and the, the honor with which you honored me even before the world began. In other words, this dimension before creation, what Jesus thinks it is, is not this static, changeless perfection. But in his view, that place was a place of dynamic movement, of relationship, of fellowship, of love, of oh, a little bit of a different view of eternity than the static, changeless perfection uh, from, from Greek philosophy. You see, our, unfortunately, our philosophical categories that we engaged with in the third century, all those philosophies have moved on, but it seems like in many ways Christianity remained in the third century, trying to say the same things that we did in the third century and hoping it still makes as much sense as it did to them then. Uh, for instance, the, the, you know, the idea that the truth or the essence of anything um, is really the part of you that's closest to that copy in heaven. And, and relationships are just arbitrary. 
you know, it's just, um, or not arbitrary, it's just attributes of what you really are. So basically to be human in their idea is somewhere in there there's the essence of being human and relationships are just attributes that this human can have but the, the relationships you can actually still be human without the relationships that's that's the philosophy that they engaged with now philosophy have changed so much that today the, the they have all come to this place to say actually what defines you and what gives you essence is your relationships okay so um, it is no in other words you won't be you without the relationships you find yourself in it is these dynamic movements and relationships that has formed the essence of who and what you are and so even the way we spoke about Jesus when they wrote the Nicene Creed, they still wrote it within the philosophical categories of there's an essence called perfect human and there's an essence called perfect God. And somehow we're going to get these two to be in union, but we don't want to confuse them. Uh, and whenever you took the one implication too far or the other one too far, it's heresy. Um, so you must just have this right balance of saying Jesus is perfectly God and perfectly human in one person, but they're not confused and they're inseparable, but uh, uh, they work in these categories of understanding existence as essences. But if we start understanding that it is relationship that forms you, even the questions that we ask about who Jesus is change. We could ask, what is the relationship Jesus had with God that makes this person such a visible display of what God is like? How has the relationships intertwined in this person to bring about this revelation of who we are and who God is. And so one of the things that I want to kind of touch on today is that maybe the eternity that we've imagined is not just a very long time. Maybe this eternity that Jesus comes to unveil is it's not just some otherworldly dimension somewhere else that means we must just escape time to get there. In fact, I believe what the incarnation shows is a God who becomes human, a God who pours himself out into flesh, a God who says, it is your life that I see has such beauty and such value. According to Philippians, he empties himself into human form. In other words, in Jesus, we do not meet a God that demands that you should ascend to a higher level of spirituality, but we meet a God who descends into your humanity. He <laughs> says, uh, actually, I want to become flesh. 
<laughs> actually I want to find my existence in your existence and um, and so maybe the way in which we think about eternity and perfection can come closer to the kind of thing that Jesus, can you believe Jesus spoke about relationships and this eternity being relationships even before quantum physics told us that everything is relational, everything is connected and Jesus speaks about an understanding of eternity that is this dynamic movement of relationship, of love and so um, The reason I want to kind of explore this is because I know that so much of spirituality for people has been an escape to another realm, an escape from reality. And I think what Jesus wants to bring us is an understanding that will help us to enrich reality and to see the beauty and the meaning of this world, of your life, right here and right now. So, in those terms of, of understanding time and eternity, in this, this way of viewing eternity, not as a different place, not as a different time, but as a quality of relationship, then it means that eternity is not found somewhere else or some other time or some other place eternity is recognizing the beauty and the meaning of the temporal <laughs> I think that is kind of what Jesus begins to un and do when he starts saying guys I want to change your minds you know if the, the scholars that are most critical about the text, about what did Jesus actually say or not, they would all agree that maybe the core message of Jesus was these words. Repent, which is very loaded, it means change your thinking. The kingdom of God is here. <laughs> the kingdom of God is now. I come to reveal to you the true God and the true God is Emmanuel which means the God who is with us. In other words, the true God is not God without you <laughs> because the true God that's revealed by Jesus is the God who says, I really don't want to be God by myself, with myself or for myself. The, the only way I want to be God is with you, for you, and as you. <laughs> A God who steps into the human condition and says, this is where I'll find my existence. Now let me kind of leave all these abstract theories for a little bit. And maybe tell you a story that illustrates it a little bit better. Marianne and myself, this is the first time I'm traveling without her. Only like six days to go. Whoa, and I'll see you again. Um, and for five years, we kind of 
constantly traveled. We kind of carried everything we had with us in bags and three days at the venue off to the next, four days off to the next. And, you know, if we travel so much, eventually I realized we have to take at least a week, a month where we just spend with one another. We don't minister, we kind of, this is our time to just kind of regain a sense of sanity. And um, so we kind of got into this habit in on one of our tours in last year, in 2015, it was about July. We had some meetings up in Holland and we had a week open and the next meetings were in Switzerland. So we thought, oh, that's our gap. What will we do in that week? So we thought it would be nice to cycle from Holland to Switzerland. <laughs> I mean, we haven't cycled since we were teenagers, but I'm sure we'll just take it slow. We'll enjoy it. Sounds fun. And the, the friends of ours in Holland, they have a little bed and breakfast and they've got two little old bicycles just for the guests to get into town and back. And they said, I don't think you'll get far with it, but you're welcome to use it. And we said, that's fine. We're just there for fun. We don't, we're not serious cyclists. Um, I'm so grateful the last night of our ministry in Holland, uh, a young friend came up to us and he said, I hear you want to cycle to Switzerland. Have you got bikes? I said, yes, yes, Bernard told us he's got bikes. He said, no, um, I've got other bikes for you. Actually, I bought these touring bikes for me and my wife to do a tour like that. Um, but we went cycling for half an hour and she said, this is not for me. So <laughs> we've got these brand new bikes and you're welcome to use them. So we were so blessed. Uh, my, my bicycle actually had a nice suspension in his seat. I didn't tell Mary Ann until like the third day because she was moaning the whole time. Uh, I said, well, I've got no problem. I know what your problem is. Um, we got, I think we did a few hundred kilometers by six days. We didn't make it all the way. Um, we knew we, we didn't. But we, we came to Mainz, uh, a city in Germany. And it was our our last day and I mean it, there was a heat wave that time so it was a hot ride that last day and we sat down at this little ca cafe and we had a rattler and we were just kind of chinging we made it and as she sat back she sat back into this yellow jacket hornet and um, it's very painful so she came forward what's that and I, I saw he it was embedded so deeply into her it was still stinging and carrying so I just flicked it off uh, I actually left half the insect in there took that off as well but it was painful the waiter saw what's hap what happened came running with some ice put it on her back and kind of the pain left we got up to walk back to the little bed and um, Airbnb place, the worst one we ever got, my goodness. <laughs> we tried to walk back there and just before we get to the flat, um, we go into a shop and Mary Ann suddenly says, can you get some antihistamine? She starts pulsating, her, her throat swells up, uh, her heart beats in her head. 
and, and I start running to try and get antihistamine, and she collapses. So I, I, I mean, this is seconds. It just like suddenly happens, and and I asked the people, please phone emergency services. They phoned him. I'm still running around to try and get antihistamine somewhere. And we actually just over the road from where we are. So I ran to the flat because we had antihistamine at our place. So get some, ran back. It must have taken me a minute. And when I'm back, she's unconscious, lying in one of the um, uh, offices there. And I kind of slap her awake. Uh, and, and she is awake, but you know she doesn't know where she is, and she's just pushing. And I just put the antihistamine in, give her water, let her drink. And at that moment, emergency services arrive, and they they give her whatever injections they can. We rush off to the hospital, and um, I I have to fill in all the forms and kind of you know do all that stuff and half an hour or an hour later I'm allowed to go in and see her and she's got all these machines on her and as I came in um, she said I was gone I said yes you you uh, you lost consciousness and she said no I I was in a beautiful place <laughs> and suddenly it dawned on me how serious this was, you know, because while it happens, I, I don't want to get emotional. I want to keep my wits with me and do what needs to be done to, to try and save the situation. And suddenly I realized this was serious. So I, I ask her, you know, whatever stupid questions you come up with in that moment where you think somebody's been to heaven, uh, a place, and I, I said, well, well, where was it? Was it was it the city? Was it in the country? And uh, and she said, it wasn't actually anywhere else. It was right here, but everything that was temporal was gone, and the beauty and the colors and the wonder of what is often hidden to our eyes just just overwhelmed me. And I said, well. Who was there? I thought at least you met some family members or whatever. And, and what she said so touched me because she said, you were there. And I thought, you know, from my point of view, I almost lost her. But from her perspective, what is truly eternal? The love and the relationships we have with others was just as present as it has always been. <laughs> uh, when she came back, she said, you know, she's, everybody who's had an experience like this battles to describe it because how, how do you describe four dimensions for people who live in a three-dimensional world you know and that's why she was kind of she said it felt like i was coming back into this flat world from having been in this place of such freedom and dimension and beauty and uh, as we you know we've actually had the privilege to speak with people 
on our travels in so many places who've, who's had similar experiences and it, it would be quite surprising to you to know <laughs> some of those stories but if there was a study done let me not just go on my stories there was a study done with hundreds of people who had similar experience and and the person who did the study, the researcher, tried to find the common themes. And, and it seems like most people have an experience of a being of light. Uh, and if you grew up in a kind of Christian background, you recognize Jesus in this being of light. And, and many of them had this experience where in that moment, this being of light will say, what have you done with your life? And those words would not contain any condemnation. It would be more of a revelation. That in that moment they would relive. Some people describe it differently. But they would relive their lives. And, and this being of light will highlight the moments in which they loved. And in which they learned. <laughs> And it was almost like people would realize that that is all that remains of me eternally. <laughs> and so even if I come back, people in the late 70s or 80s, they would go back to university because they suddenly enjoy the, the wonder of learning, the joy of relationship. That this is what actually connects us with the eternal realm. That meaning is what remains beyond the moment. <laughs> and um, so, hey, maybe Jesus was right. Maybe eternity is this place of awareness where we know the Father where we enter into a dimension that is so much larger than any moment can define, where, where, where there's an awareness that makes us present, uh, a present that is larger than a second, larger than an hour. In fact, when you become aware of God, you become aware of a dimension larger than time itself. <laughs> you become aware of a meaning <sighs> that can never be taken from you. And so really, what I hope to communicate this evening is that maybe eternity is not to be found somewhere else. Maybe it's as close as your next encounter. Maybe it's as close as your next relationship. <laughs> Maybe it's as we become aware again that it is this life, this time, that has value and beauty. We will know what Jesus meant, that the kingdom of God is here. See, John writes in John 3, he doesn't say, for this reason, God so loved you, 
but he came to save you from this rotten, stinking world. Now, that's not what John 3.16 says, is it? He says, for God so loved this world. <laughs> not to rescue you from it, but to save you in it. So that you might become the salvation of this world. <laughs> so that as he opens your eyes to the value and the beauty of all creation and of all people, you start participating with him in being this beautiful influence of life and love in your community. Now, I hope I make it clear that, you know, even with Mary Ann's experience, there might be wonderful things that awaits us. And, you know, but why wait for what is so present now? <laughs> ah. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes. Um, the normal translation reads, God has placed eternity in the heart of man, except that no man will know it from beginning to end. If you go and actually study the original language, I so love the Young's translation. It says it this way, God has placed eternity in your heart, without which you would not have been able to know it from beginning to end. In other words, it is the very fact that God has placed eternity in your heart, that there is this hunger for meaning beyond the visible, for beauty beyond the obvious, for depth beyond what is plainly seen. You see, your consciousness is part of creating your reality. <laughs> And Jesus comes to introduce us to a way of thinking about life that will enrich your reality. A way of viewing others that will enrich the relationships. Amen. Ah, eternity. Right here. Right now. Ah. In John 4, Jesus speaks to that woman at the well and, you know, eventually she kind of realizes, oh my goodness, I'm speaking to a prophet because, you know, when he said, go, go call your husband. Yeah. No, she come, uh, let me tell the story a little bit further. I'll end with her story. Is it okay? Can you concentrate for another 10 minutes? Um, you know, Jesus traveling with his disciples through Samaria, John 4, and comes to this well. They go into town to get food. The Samaritan woman comes to the well. Now, Jews never traveled through Samaria unless they had to. They did not get along well at all. And um, so they would rather travel seven days around the very difficult track than the one day through Samaria just to avoid these people who had religious differences with them. Um, but they had a similar background, and so this was the well of Jacob. You know, our father Jacob dug this well. And the woman comes, and Jesus speaks to her and says, won't you give me a glass of water, she, a cup of water? And she said, so, how is it with you, a Jew, 
talks to me because you wouldn't even talk to a woman in that culture, but now you're talking to a Samaritan woman. I mean, you must be desperate. So she kind of really uh, takes advantage of her system. So, so tell me, why am I good enough to talk to now, now that you're so thirsty? <laughs> and he said, women, if you knew the gift of God, the generosity of God, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She said, what a strange answer. This is Jacob's well, him and his children drank from you. You know, we've come to this well year after year. What funny doctrine are you bringing about some other water? We, we know this has got the long established tradition and history behind this water. And he said, well, why don't you go call your husband? Um, I don't have a husband. He says, well, that's nicely put because you've had five husbands and the one that you're living with now is not your husband. What she wasn't realizing is she was talking to number seven, you know, the one who satisfies. And um, so suddenly she realizes that, oh, I must be talking to a prophet, so let me talk religion. Where do you go to church? You know, you Jews tell us that we should go to church in Jerusalem. But we Samaritans, we know that we should go to church on this mountain. And um, Jesus' answer is so beautiful. He said, where the time is coming and now is where what you are called and where you go to worship will just not matter. But it is who you are. <laughs> you see, God has found his favorite location. God has found that place of encounter, that place of worship that matters to him. He actually starts telling the story even in the Old Testament with the temple set up that there's a place, the innermost place, the Holy of Holies and he makes this promise that there I will meet with you. See I think there's a place in each one of us that's called the Holy of Holies in which God has promised there I will meet with you. There I will encounter with you. And so he tells this woman, the time is coming where your religious ideas and traditions will become so irrelevant in the context of a God who desires you. A God who knows you inside out. And everything he knows about you, loves you, adores you. And you know, this moment of encounter, she kind of backtracks because we, when, we, when we're faced with drop all your excuses and encounter me, we kind of still want to create some distance. And she says, I, I don't know about that, but you know, maybe one day when the Messiah comes, 
maybe one day, then he will, you know, he will speak to us with certainty and clarity. I don't quite know whether I've got to listen to you with all these wonderful theories. We'll, we'll maybe wait for the Messiah. And I can so experience what Jesus said to her is what Jesus is saying to his church today and to each one of us as he stands before us and says, you don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to search any further. Here I am. <laughs> Here I am. Hey, what a privilege. Thank you for having me here. What a privilege it is to come to a place where I don't know any of you very deeply or much. And I can just tell you wherever you're at in this moment, whatever has created the sense of distance between you and God, Jesus is saying now is the moment for you just drop it just let me love you just let me adore you let me take hold of you I don't care if you had a fag just before you walked in I don't care if you you're what, just in this moment can you drop your own story and your own excuses of why you cannot encounter me can you drop all your, all your disappointments of what God had to do and didn't do and what he should have done and didn't do and whether you at the place, can you just in the moment encounter God who stands in front of you and says, you don't have to wait one more moment. You don't have to go set things right with your five previous husbands. You don't have to know this is the moment where he's ready to encounter you. Where he's ready to take you to that place where you so know beyond any theory that you are loved. That this moment is eternal. That he has placed eternity in your heart. And you can know him now. To know him is so simple. You don't need any rituals, any complicated ways. To know him is to just say yes to that whisper that says you are loved. You are adored. Why don't you again just touch somebody next to you? Ah, oh, Papa. Papa, we are just so aware of you. <laughs> we thank you that your chosen location is neither Jerusalem nor this mountain, nor that church or this church, but it is who we are that you desire. Oh, bring this awareness. Bring this awareness of the eternal significance of this relationship. 
Jesus, thank you for praying in John 17, 24. Father, I pray that they may be with me where I am. I ask that that prayer be answered. <laughs> right now in every person's experience that we may see the love with which you have loved us, the honor with which you have honored us. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Papa. <laughs> Thank you. Glory, 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 glory. Amen. Amen. Now, even if that awoke a hundred thousand questions, I just don't think any question or answer is going to do anything more than what we've experienced tonight. We've had wonderful opportunity to converse during the last two days. But tonight I just want to leave you with this awareness. You are loved. <laughs> that you are desired. That eternity has stepped into time. Now, one of the things that most, whether people who experience near-death experiences or whether it's theologians who tries to explain what eternity is, what they all say is um, it's not quite just like time the way we experience it now. This, and so in effect, they're saying, really, this might be the only time you have. Ah. <laughs> uh. And so if we discover eternity right here, right now, what a joy, what a joy. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.